This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Good. I want you to stand with me. We'll get ready to... Say the Apostle Creed, it's our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. Say this with me. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you all here. My name is Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. Glad to be here with you guys and everyone watching uh, with us at the campuses and online. Uh, this morning we have a, uh, the part two message, if you were here last week. Uh, my father, uh, Pastor Mark Gunger, is going to continue on in the message. So let's join up with him. Good morning, Celebration Church. Today we are continuing a message that I started last week about jumping, about taking a jump of faith. I played this clip from uh, Steve Harvey. Uh, we won't play it again today. I might play it again next week, you know, just to keep reminding you what we're talking about if you missed it. It's a very powerful clip, challenging people. You can't soar, you can't accomplish anything in life if you never jump. And uh, that's what we're talking about. Um, and uh, I started talking about, as we're going through, one of the areas about taking a leap of faith is in the area of giving, because I've been talking about uh, this challenge I've been throwing out to the church, again, rehearsing it one more time, that uh, in February, because of all the bad weather, we, had, we took such a beating, we had at least three, three weekends in a row that hardly anybody showed up, a couple that virtually nobody showed up, and I left a big hole. We sent out an appeal. Everybody rallied, we filled the hole, but then the next month there was a big hole again. Exact, almost same hole, size hole as the previous one. So what happened is people gave, either moved money or gave, thought, well, I don't have to give now. And I talked about how we've had this problem in the past. People would say, well, why don't we raise money for, you know, victims of this earthquake? Yeah, okay, we did. So we'd raise $10,000, and then the next offering, we're $10,000 in the hole. And challenging people to understand. Look, there's a, when we ask you to do something extra, it's about doing something extra. Just don't think you did something extra and think, well, I don't have to give for a while, because it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, you need to be consistent in your giving. And then we ask you to do something extra. It's, we're literally asking above and beyond. You don't have to do it. It's not compulsory, but... Uh, just challenging to people to do that, to take a jump of faith with us. 
And of course, explaining that I don't have any place else to go. It's not like we can print money in the back or charge our customers somewhere, raise prices. We don't do that. This church is supported by people. So we have to come to the people. Now, um, <laughs> so last, the first Sunday, we got a little bit uptick. Second Sunday, last Sunday, was, was good. I mean, we, we took a good shot at trying to fill that. And thank you for being generous uh, on that. What I found curious, and of course it's so celebration churchy, is uh, people started writing on their checks, the whole. <laughs> so, so now the guy said, well, what do we call this? I said, call it the whole fund. I don't know. So people are literally writing the whole uh, on their mem- uh, memorandums uh, in the thing, which is fine. You can call it anything you want. What was really funny is I came to church today as I'm videotaping this because I have to be out of town. I'm, in, I'm literally in Texas this morning, but here with you via uh, technology. But I, I came to church and there was this box by my mailbox, a little cardboard box, and I opened up the box and there was this uh, little <laughs> shovel, spoon, whatever. And the note in the box said, this is so you can fill the hole. <laughs> and I thought, what? And then I unclipped this and they had... Uh, stuck in a, a pretty substantial check, God bless them, to help fill the hole. So apparently people are having a little bit of fun with this, with the whole hole concept. But, uh, and look, I don't care how you want to send it. You can send boxes, you can send shovels, you can send whatever you want. We'll take it. We uh, will be gladly taking whatever you can do to help us do that. Uh, the other thing, too, I wanted to mention very briefly before I start the message is there are some people, they're so tender-hearted. God bless them. You know, sometimes I keep hammering issues to try and get through to those who are resistant. And then the soft ones are always thinking I'm talking to them. So we had some people the very first weekend, they gave above and beyond. And then I mentioned it last week and they, oh, I'm going above and beyond again. And they're thinking, how often is he going to do this to us? Look, if you have already given above and beyond, God bless you. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else who has yet to step up to do it, okay? So as I talk about this and be mentioning this over this, at this period, maybe it'll take a month to raise the extra funds to put us back where we were, I'm not trying to hammer the same people to go above and beyond. You just keep giving you what you normally give and we'll trust God, uh, you know, uh, for the extra. So, just so you, you keep that all in mind. Now, I used an analogy last week. If my lovely assistant here would bring me my I have an audience of one today, my lovely wife in the polka dot address. I don't know if you can see her, but she's gorgeous. Anyway, so she's here. And last week I used the analogy of, you know, about spoons and stuff. And I was reading from the scripture. Let's back up and start there again. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Now, just for the record as well, this is not a sermon series on money. For those of you having heart attacks, because a couple of weeks isn't going to kill you. Jesus talked about money a lot. If I preach on money as much as Jesus preached on money, about a third to almost a half of the year, all the sermons would be about money. That's how often Jesus talked about it. The Bible talks about it all the time. So just relax. This isn't a sermon just series about just money. But this is part of it because we're talking about taking a step of faith. And if there's one area where people need to take a step of faith a little bit, it's in the area of money. All right? So Jesus commands give. And here's the promise. It will be given to you. Really? How much? Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Say, well, yeah, 
I haven't experienced that. That's what God wants to do. And then he adds this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's why some of you give, but you don't experience people pouring stuff in your lap. Because your level of giving for you is very small. So rather than taking a good-sized scoop and being generous with it, so that God will use that good-sized scoop to bless you, we go, tithe, I know the Bible says tithe is 10%, but you know, I, I, I can't do that. You know, maybe I'll do six and think, well, not really, four is good enough. And you think, really, I got an extra 10 bucks. That should be good enough. And you can do that. The whole, the thing about giving is it's voluntary. You decide how much you will give. You don't get a tax bill from us. We don't send you an annual statement. Hey, if you're going to be at church here, you owe us $1,000 for the year or whatever. We don't work that way. Some people give tens of thousands of dollars. Some people give virtually nothing. Sadly, that group's a lot bigger than the first. But anyway, uh, you decide. It's totally up this. No one is checking over your shoulder to see what you're doing. I'm trying to challenge you. Have some faith. But the reality is Jesus says the spoon size that you use is what God's going to use to bless you. And the reason why so many of you, and I love you all, but the so, and I just want you to be blessed. I like being blessed. Not being blessed really stinks. Being blessed is fabulous. All right? I want God to just dump a whole bunch on you, but you decide on the spoon size. It's up to you. You say, well, I'm just going to throw in, you know, $5. I gave, I gave $20 last month. That's a Never mind you. Spend more than that every time you go to fill up your car. But when it comes to God, suddenly $20 is a fortune. But you, that's your spoon size. But when God comes to bless you, this is what he's going to take. And he's going to boop on you. And a lot of you come to church and you're waiting for God to bless you. And all you get is, oh, you can barely feel it. You can barely sense the blessings you get. Because you have told God, this is the spoon size to bless me. That's what you decide. It's not me. It's him. This is what he taught. You want to use the biggest spoon you can so that you can, when you get blessed, man, you feel it. It is significant. It is powerful. And then I mentioned some people, man, we go crazier in spoons. I like this thing. <laughs> Even a bigger That means we use blessings going to get bigger. And I use the analogy of a pail. Some of us want to get all splashed all over the place. And the way we get that is we are generous to this degree. You say, well, I can't do it. You don't know what you can do. It's, it's by faith. Look, some people, for them, $20 is their bucket. There are people who are struggling. I mean, they're really having a hard time. Some of you, man, you could drop a $50,000 bucket and it wouldn't be anything because you are blessed and you know you're blessed. You're, you know, just hanging on to everything you have isn't going to get you blessings. It's just not. Can you hang on to everything? Even if you're a multimillionaire? Yeah, you can. You can do anything you want. But when it's time for your blessing, and this is what you give, that's what you're going to get. I don't make up the rules. It's the way he works this. And then I use the analogy, a bit of a sidestep. So uh, I'm picking up where I took a little detour last Sunday, which is not unusual. You know, one of these, these sermons are so funny. Sometimes I'll do a sermon and it'll have tons of notes, and I think I'm good, and I get there and preach, and 10 minutes into my sermon, I'm running out of steam, because <laughs> I've, I've used everything. It's hard to time these things sometimes. So last Sunday, I got all this stuff, I barely got into it, and I was coming to the end. So I think this one sermon on jumping is going to be turning into several weeks, which nothing new, if you know me. So the little detour I took was this, is that sometimes, 
as much as we like to live here, and we have really no intention of ever going here, that sometimes you will be forced here because sometimes your bucket will get kicked over. And you will be tested and say, why, why would that happen? Well, it depends. Sometimes God will test you. Just flat out God's going to say, let's see what he's made out of. Tip that up. As much as you protect your little spoon, sometimes your bucket's still going to get tipped over. Uh, sometimes it's just the devil in your life. Sometimes it's just other people in your life. Mean people. There's a lot of mean people in the world. They'll come along and just kick your bucket over. And everything will come rushing out. It might be your investments went bad and you wind up losing just tons of money. It might be the doctor tells you, man, dude, you got prostate cancer. You got six months to live. And it just tipped that sucker over. It might be, you know, who knows, all kinds of stuff. People that you've trusted in your life. And then you'll be forced to empty out everything. And then what do you do then? So I used the analogy last week, talking about how many times in my life, people who have been Christians for a long time know, if you're really active in your faith, a lot of times your bucket gets tipped. Either God's testing you or something else is going wrong and, and stuff will just get knocked out all over the place. I talked about people I feel sorry for, people who've never had their buckets tipped over. All their lives. They've played it safe. They've had everything controlled. But at some point, man, maybe you're 45, maybe you're 62, maybe you're 78. Some point, your bucket will get tipped and these people panic and they freak. They love God with all their hearts, but it's the first time in their life they have ever had to trust God seriously about anything. These are the people I feel sorry for. Uh, I would rather have you experience your bucket getting tipped over early on in life so you start learning to trust God through these situations. But sometimes something will happen and it'll be totally out of your control. And I talked about how in my life, my wife slowly dying of a disease and watching her and the pain and the agony and the horror of that. And at the end of the day, my bucket is completely tipped over. But then if you handle it right, God will fill that bucket again. And your life will be blessed. I talk about my life. My life right now is extraordinarily blessed. You say, why are you glad that stuff happened? I didn't want that to happen. I wouldn't, who would, what psychotic person would ever want something horrible like that to go through? I never chose that. But the difference is, between me and a lot of people that get their buckets tipped over, some of y'all, when you get your buckets tipped over, you bring it back up, but then you cover it, and God can't bless it. God can't fill it because you cover it with anger. You're so mad. I don't know if the camera can follow me. I'm about to get down on the ground. <laughs> so you go, and you just, you just cover that thing. You cover it. Well, I'm so mad. I'm mad at God. Start yelling and screaming at God. And you know, I've heard preachers for years say, it's okay to get mad at God. You know, I, I don't know what part of the Bible they're reading. I would never do that. I know some of you here, some of you told me personally, you got mad at God and yelled at God. I've done a lot of dumb, stupid things in my life, more than I can count. But I got to tell you, I have never done that. I have never, ever gotten mad at God and yelled at God. Why not? He's God. I mean, if you really figure this out, how can you possibly get mad at God? You know, there should be a thing called fearing God. But I thought, you mad and angry at God? Man, you're covering that bucket. Why'd you let my bucket get empty? And some of you, you're bitter and you're angry at other people. And you cover your bucket. And you can't get it filled up. So, Pastor, I had my bucket kicked over and it's still empty. Well, get the heck out of the way. Quit being so bitter and angry. And I was giving you my own personal experience. When I ran out of time last week, I wanted to share my lovely wife, Deanna. 
She had her bucket kicked over. Her husband of 30 years just decides to leave her for another woman. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen my wife, Deanna, but you got to wonder, anybody who leaves this has got to be out of his ever-loving mind, but that's his issue, not mine. He decides, I'm going to find somebody else. You know what that does to people? Some of you have experienced that. Your husband, your wife, they just left you. And when that happens, after decades of loving someone and trusting, it rips your heart out. It tears your guts out. Your self-esteem is devastated. It is horrible. The hell that she went through in her own personal life over this thing. Quite frankly, I think it's worse than mine. In fact, people will tell you, people who've gone through long sicknesses and watched someone they love die, and then people who've been through divorce, man, they'll tell you, most people will tell you, the death is easier. The death is easier. I mean, it just is. This whole thing, when somebody just rips your heart out, devastates your children, takes your life, tears it upside down for no other reason than to be selfish and mean-spirited, it will destroy you. It can destroy you. And she was devastated. And her life was rocked. And she's crying out to God. Now, she had a choice. She can just be filled with bitterness and anger. And by the way, she caught him. It's one thing to find out later. When you catch them in the act, can you imagine what that does to you? So this sweet, gorgeous woman, man, this is what happens to her. Being faithful, serving God, going to church, raising her children, being a faithful wife. And boom, you get smacked upside the head. Say, well, did God do that? No, God didn't do that. Did the devil do it? No, I don't think the devil did. He might have certainly played a role. At some point, some times just people do it. People will just be mean, selfish, nasty individuals. And they'll come along and knock over your bucket. Everything will spill out. And what do you do? A lot of you just cover your bucket, man. You're just bitter and angry. Some of you still mad. You're so mad at your exes right now, you can't hardly see straight. I was preaching on something like this a few years ago. Some guy, they, they left the church. Look, I need, you need to forget, forgive your ex-wife. I never forgiven her. That was the last I saw that guy. I mean, did you talk about bucket covering. They, and they're just mad because the bucket's still empty. They're still, man, stop. Get out of the way. Let stuff go. Let God bless you. If you ever get a chance to hear her story, man, she's praying hour after hour. And dark clouds is crying her eyes out. Can you imagine what someone, some of you can because you've been through it. Kept just calling out to God at one point. God says, it's going to be okay. It's gonna be, she said, at that moment, I knew it was going to be okay. And right now, her life, she has a bucket that is blessed and it is filled. Both of us have our buckets blessed and filled. Why? Because we, even though we didn't ask for it, we didn't get in the way. Because if you just trust God, he will fill that up. Don't, don't be filling, covering it with anger and bitterness and resentment and all this nasty stuff. Some of you just cover it with whining. Some of you people, you've had your buckets dumped and you relish in telling the story about your empty bucket. I think some people like their buckets empty. Because then they can tell everybody, you know what happened to me? That's all they talk about. Goodness gracious, I'll run into people. They'll tell me stories about something who said something to them five years ago. Five years ago, somebody called them a poopy head. And now they're still devastated because someone picked over their bucket because they called them a poopy head or whatever it was. You say, you're just making fun. No, I'm telling you, people get mad at the stupidest things. 
And then they just celebrate that empty bucket. Tell everybody about their empty bucket. Just five minutes of knowing them. They tell you all this horrible stuff that happened to them. And they're just like this, just mad, mad. God, why? And then they get mad at other people when their buckets get filled. People criticize me because my bucket's filled. Criticize her because her bucket's filled. Other people. Well, that's not fair. How come their bucket's filled? Yeah, where were you when it was knocked over? Where were you when we were crying and going through pain and agony? Man, don't be like that. You need to be careful, man, unless somebody comes and knocks your bucket over. See how you handle that stuff. We need to be gentle towards people, appreciative toward people. Don't be doing that kind of stuff. You know, the Bible talks, we talk about Job. Now, in the book of Job, it looks like the book of Job because it's spelled J-O-B. <laughs> but it's not the book of Job. It's the book of Job. That's how you pronounce it. And we read about Job. Let's, let's look at this. Job chapter 1, verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. Now, Job was loaded. He was seriously crazy rich. And he had camels and, go and goats and donkeys and sheep, and oxen, all kinds of stuff. Big family. He was living the high life. And this messenger came and said, the oxen were plowing, the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. And they put all the servants to the sword. And they killed all the guys. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Can you imagine Job here? What? What happened? Talk about getting your bucket kicked over. And the Bible says, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, Man, I don't know what happened. Some crazy thing. Fire from God fell from the heavens. Burned up the sheep and the servants. It killed all the animals. Killed all the guys. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Are you kidding me? And while he can barely process that, the Bible says while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They stole all the camels. Bunch of camel thieves. And they put the servants to the sword. So they killed everybody. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Can you imagine where your head is at this point? One, two, three. Verse 18. And while that guy was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons... And your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them. They are all dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. He loses every... You talk about your bucking getting kicked. He loses his wealth. His power, his influence, in one day, and at the same time, all of his children are killed in a freak accident. Everything goes wrong for him. How would you handle that? Well, let's take a look at what Job does. It says, at this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head. Ro robe, tore his robe, shaved his head. And then he fell to the ground in worship. And he worships God saying, naked I came from my mother's womb 
and naked I will depart. The Lord gave. See, everything you got comes as a blessing from God. You think you're so smart, it's all came. I'm telling you, God has made it possible for you to have what you have. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrong. He wasn't yelling at God. He wasn't getting mad at God. I'm saying, don't do that. I don't care what preacher on TV says. Oh, it's okay to get mad at God. Job, after that series of events on that day, gets down. He steadies his bucket, tips it back up. And he says, bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. You blessed me with great things. Now I have nothing. But God, I trust you. Oh, man. How do you get there? By understanding what happens. You have to understand, God wants to bless you. Sometimes we go through trials and tribulations. And Job went through a horrible one. So what happens? He goes through all this test. Everything goes, and it gets worse. You read the next chapter, then he gets really sick. And his wife comes to him. And says, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, there's an encouraging word. I've said this before. It's funny, but it's true. The devil knew how to get to Job. He took everything but left the wife. The whiny, complaining, criticizing wife. Just to remind you, what a loser you are. By the way, ladies, don't be like that. And through all this, Job just worships. He doesn't demand anything. He doesn't demand anything. He just straightens out his bucket. Why would he do that? Because he knows God. He knows that God is faithful. He knows what God wants to do. And he just... Hold on here, I just want to get this bucket out here. I know it's empty. Everything got to, it was full. Now it's empty, but I know in whom I have believed. Job had a bunch of friends come over. They criticized him. Job winds up praying for them. Look what happens. Job 42, verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And I guarantee to you, there were people who are envious and jealous of Job. Because now he's got more than he even had before. He had a lot to start with. Now look at him. Look at his bucket. He's... How's that happen? It happens by just trusting God. Don't leave that bucket messed up. Tip it back up. Get out of the way. Don't cover it with bitterness and anger and complaining and sulking. All his brothers and sisters and everyone he had known before him came and ate with him at his house. They comforted him, consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. Each one of them gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep now, 6,000 cows. We're talking about some serious money, boys and girls. A thousand yoke of oxen. And a thousand donkeys. And then he went on and had seven more sons. And three daughters. 
first daughter he named Jemiah, whatever, second, Keziah, third, I can't even say these names. And it says, nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. Not only did he have three daughters, he had three gorgeous daughters. I mean, these chicks were like, ho chi mama. And the Bible says their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers, which was very unusual in the day. Back in the day, girls got nothing. It all went to the boys. And if you didn't have a lot, it all went to the first boy. Well, he had so much. He gave the boys more than they can handle. He said he gave the girls all part of it too. His life was blessed beyond measure. His life was actually better off after his troubles than before his troubles. Now, do you think he was happy about those troubles? Do you think he embraced those troubles? Do you think he was evil because he had? No. He didn't want to go through any of that. I guarantee you, nobody wants to see their children die. Nobody wants to see people they love die. Nobody wants to see their hearts ripped out and torn apart and lose all their money and their influence. Nobody wants to go through any of that stuff. And thank God, most of you are never going to go through anything close up. Some of the biggest trial you're going to have is your best friend will quit talking to you. Oh, boo-hoo. Some of you go through tough, 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 stuff, tough stuff, but nothing like that. And even after all that, even after all that, he stayed grateful and thankful to God. Because he you know who's, who fills the book. He filled it the first time. Why not fill it? You know, you know what's an anal another analogy? Is if you leave a bucket out and it rains and it gets filled with water. And someone comes along and kicks the water. And all goes, oh, no, the water is the only water. No. No, just set it back out again. It's going to rain again. It's going to rain some more. You think the heavens are going to dry up and God's going to quit blessing just because you had a bad time? Job knew, man. Keep it open. Don't cover it up. It's going to rain again. And God's blessings came on Job. All because he trusted God. So the point of all of that was that if you want God to bless your life, you got to jump. You got to jump. We used the scripture last week of Peter stepping out of the boat. He had to jump out onto the water. And he walked on the water. Oh yeah, he started sinking at one some point because he started doubting and stuff. Everybody focuses on that. Hey, Jesus still pulled him up. He still walked on water. They walked on the water back. Peter did what no one's ever done. No man walking on water. Because he would jump and nobody else would do it, you see. Everybody else played it safe. He had an experience nobody else would have. Just remember, don't be afraid to take risks, which is the point of the sermon. Now, where I'm going to go on, and I'm going to explain other parts of your life. So this isn't a sermon all about money, all right? It just took me two Sundays to get through the money part of it. Mercy, all right? Now, there's other stuff here. I want to, I'm going to show you some scriptures here. Now, next Sunday's Father's Day. We're going to talk a little bit about this, even on Father's Day, you know, about the power of being a father, of being a man. Men get criticized all the time today. You want to say something to get people mad? Just praise a man. But women can do the same thing. Really? Stop. It's not about that. And as soon as you start praising, you know, you go to most churches on Mother's Day, they will praise women from here to eternity. Go to most churches on Father's Day, they will criticize the men. We ain't going to do that. Next Sunday, I am celebrating manhood. 
It's time that we celebrate men. Should we celebrate women? Yes, we do that. But let's not be so politically correct and paranoid that we can't turn around and celebrate the wonderful gift God has given us in men. Being a man, I fully support this message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say amen on the front row there. In the polka dot dress. Amen. I got one amen. There's only one person in here. But <laughs> hopefully I got more amens out there as you're watching this uh, during the service. So anyway, we're going to talk about what happens when not foolishly, but fearlessly taking the leap. If you want to soar like Steve Harvey said, you want your parachute to open and soar through the sky, it'll never happen if you don't jump. Not just in your generosity and giving, but in virtually every area of your life. And we're going to talk about it. Now, it's easy to talk about jumping, but sometimes it's really, really hard. Now, I took that detour to mention what happens if... See, at some point, you're going to get tested anyway. At some point... Somebody's going to shove you off the cliff. You're going to have to jump, you know. Uh, but short of that, the rest of the time, don't wait for someone to kick over your bucket. Learn to be generous with the bucket you got. Don't wait for somebody to push you off the cliff. Learn to jump off the cliff. Learn to take some risks. Calculated, intelligent risks. But don't just play it safe all your life. Because the people who play it safe all the time never truly live. They're always fearful, always afraid. And I'm just going to continue on this series of messages to challenge you because I want you to soar. I want you to be blessed. I want the people in Celebration Church, if nothing else, I want people in town to look up and say, man, one thing about that church, you got a crazy pastor, but man, the people, they soar over there. They're a bunch of soarness people I've ever seen. Their lives are good. Their families are good. Their businesses prosper. Financially, they're good. They're just the big soarness bunch of people I ever saw. Why? Because we've learned to trust God and we've learned to jump and not be afraid. And we'll continue to build on this because I still haven't even hit the, ha hit the halfway point <laughs> on this message. I, I took some this Sunday just to catch up what I couldn't get through last Sunday. There's a lot more coming. I'm excited about this series of messages because if you get this, I'm telling you, it's going to set you free. It's going to set, no one is more happy than someone who is set free of their fears Fear of losing, always fear of losing. When you get free of that, man, it feels good. It feels really, really good. And if you're one of these people who've had your buckets turned over, take heart, be of good cheer. Get that thing back up. Don't cover it up with bitterness and anger. Watch, God will fill it back up again. It's what he does. It's what he does. He loves you. He said, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. God is not in the business of leaving you shortchanged. Even when God allowed all those trials to happen to Job, look what happened in the end. That's what God does, if you let him. If you let him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your truth. Lord, you are always gracious to those who will be open to you. Help us, Lord, through this series of messages to learn not to be afraid, not to fear, but to trust you through whatever challenges we're facing, knowing that, Lord, you are always faithful. Help us as little children learn to jump into their daddy's arms. Help us learn to jump into yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. We'll see you all next Sunday. All right. Well, at this time, uh, can have our musicians come out and our ushers can come forward and begin preparing for communion.
um, that we'll partake of in just a moment. But before that, I always want to give people an opportunity. If you've never made the leap in your life of fully committing your life to Jesus, if you say, I want that blessing from God, but you've never taken the step to actually ask him to come and be a part of your life, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. It's as simple as this. I'm just going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. And if you believe this from your heart, that's your first step. That's the jump. Amen. If you would, if everyone would bow their heads. Just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I choose to leap and to trust you. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to learn your ways. Amen.